Welcome to Perimenopology, where we explore and converse about what it means to transition out of the young, hot, fertile, and fuckable box that our society labels as most worthy when you were socialized as a woman. Around here, we are all about body literacy and talking about the topics that society tells us are unimportant or inappropriate. I'm Michelle Kapler, reproductive acupuncturist, Chinese medicine practitioner, and master feminist confidence coach, and you've got episode number seven. Hello, hello, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Perimenopology. Before I get into today's episode, I want to make a quick announcement. This episode is brought to you by my Perimenopause Body Image Confidence Starter Pack. If you've been loving what you're learning in the podcast and you want to dive deeper into this work, this is a great way to get started. It's a little collection of tools that I have created that you can start applying today to help you feel more confident when it comes to your body as you navigate this transition. It's free and it's available right now. Just head to the show notes or to michellecapler.com forward slash starter to get instant access today. Today, I want to talk about mood swings and big feelings. And in the context of perimenopause, we often hear of mood swings and we think of raging anger or deep depression. We hear about being quote unquote hormonal and someone's mood swinging on a dime. We think about unpredictability. We think about everything feeling emotionally huge all the time. And honestly, this is nothing new. Most folks who cycle and menstruate will experience some version of feeling big feelings during their PMS time at some point in their lives. Most people have experienced heightened emotions or increased sensitivity during certain times in their cycles. And also, many people socialized as women have experienced the dismissal of their big feelings and emotions. It's that well-worn practice that we dismiss women and people-socialized women experiencing anger or frustration or sadness or anything else along the spectrum of human emotions by chalking it up to, oh, it must be that time of the month again. And this is often at the hands of friends and coworkers and loved ones and spouses and parents. In my clinical experience, I've also met folks who have outright dismissed their own real feelings over something that's a valid concern. Kind of like, oh yeah, my boss said that awful thing to me and I was really pissed about it, but it must be because I'm PMSing. We are conditioned to not be too big or too loud, or too emotional, or too much. So we dismiss ourselves and call ourselves quote-unquote hormonal. And it's true that our hormones do heighten our emotional reactions sometimes. Our moods are influenced by our hormones, both in positive and negative ways. Yes, perhaps we are a few more notches irritable during PMS, or maybe we're more inclined toward depression or grief or tears during our luteal phase. But we also get to experience powerful, supercharged confidence and productivity and potential for social connection during other times, such as our ovulatory periods. And we seem to have a pretty black and white way of thinking about all of it. A human is either hormonal and their thoughts and feelings have no validity and they can't be taken seriously or trusted because it's just hormones, or... A human just isn't under the influence of their hormones and expressing big emotions or thoughts or needs or feelings, isn't taking up too much space. So all is well. And my question for the day is, 
what if it could be both? What if we could experience heightened emotions because of our hormones and also know that our thoughts and our feelings are valid? What would it look like if we could make room for all of it? And as an aside, as I've been saying for years in my clinical practice, personally, I think it might be our superpower as people who have cycles and can menstruate. Our cycles give us this monthly opportunity to face our shit and process our emotions that have built up over the month. And if we don't like it, too bad. It's going to come out of our eyeballs whether we want it to or not. Our bodies, in their innate wisdom, give us a monthly shove in the direction of, hey, you've been bottling everything up all month, so maybe it's time to open up the release hatch, yeah? I happen to think that this is why we live longer, have fewer heart attacks. And this isn't a research-based scientific statement, just to say that. It's just something that I've decided I believe after seeing thousands of folks with these kinds of hormones come through my clinical practice. And I've decided that it serves me and my patients and clients to keep on thinking this. So bringing it back to perimenopause specifically, for many folks, this emotional upregulation and sensitivity is no longer reserved for the PMS time only. It can happen all the damn time unpredictably. Sometimes we no longer have that break for the rest of our cycles. Sometimes we don't feel like the release hatch has been opened because it's just constantly open. It's like one big perpetual PMS phase all the time. And wouldn't it be interesting to think about it like perimenopause being the catalyst to open the emotional release hatch that's been closed over a lifetime of socialization and conditioning that we shouldn't be too loud or emotional or too big or too much. Maybe our bodies are just saying, yep, we've gone through this long enough with the shoving it down and the bottling it up. And so here's an opportunity to know what it's like to just let her rip and not give a flying fuck what anybody thinks about it. And maybe you're thinking, okay, I'm on board with this theoretically, But how do I actually process this? How do I actually navigate this after a lifetime of resisting all of my negative emotions for fear of being too much? Well, I have a little story for you about big emotions in a situation that many people might think is quote unquote, not a big deal. So I have a flock of backyard chickens. There are 22 of them. They're all different colors and their eggs are also all different colors And they run up to me and my kids to say hi when we're outside on our property. They like to be snuggled and held and want to be stroked. And we have a wonderful symbiotic relationship with them. We treat them well, and they have a wonderful life with the freedom to wander our 10-acre property. And they give us eggs and very potent fertilizer. (laughs) And they compost all of our kitchen scraps down. And we put those in our gardens where we grow delicious food. And in short, they're pets. They're part of our family. So early last week, we actually had 23 chickens in our flock. 
and one of them was really sick. She'd been pretty sick for weeks. We were doing everything we could to help her get better. We tried a lot of different things, and mid-last week, when I visited the coop in the morning, I realized that she was significantly declining. She could no longer walk or eat. She wasn't interested in food or water. She was just sitting around in a pile of her own waste, and it was really sad. And in that moment, the balance shifted, and I knew that the most loving thing I could do for her was to end her life so she wasn't suffering anymore. So the next morning, I asked my husband to take care of that. Before he took her into the forest on our property to do what needed to be done, I picked her up and I brought her inside in a towel and we sat by the fireplace and sat in front of the fire to warm up and I stroked her head and she fell asleep and I chose to think that she was comforted in that moment. And then my husband took her outside and did what needed to be done and he buried her body deep in the ground so predators wouldn't dig her up. And as I watched him carry her into the forest, I felt so much sadness. I cried and I heaved and I let my grief wash over me. I felt all of the heaviness and pain and I allowed it to just be in my body. And for the rest of the day, it came up again and again and again in waves. In some moments, I would feel peace about it, relieved even. And in some moments, I felt so sad. And in some, I didn't really think about it at all. And I set the intention to pay close attention to all of the thoughts that my brain was offering me. So I heard things like, you did the right thing, she's no longer suffering, you did your best, and those were all good. They brought me comfort to think like that. And I also noticed that my brain would offer me things like, it's just a chicken. Why are you getting so worked up over this? which was my brain and my conditioning and socialization using that well-worn neural pathway that always told me not to be too dramatic or too emotional, or maybe it was just my brain's way of trying to help me avoid pain. And then there were also the perfectionist thoughts that came up. Why didn't you try harder to help her? Was this really the best you could have done? And also, why didn't you just take care of this when she originally got sick a few weeks ago? She suffered for no reason. And I just let it all be there. All of those thoughts and all of the different emotions that came along with them, I observed them. I decided intentionally which ones I wanted to keep thinking and which ones were actually not serving me. When I experience strong emotions, especially grief and sadness, I tend to get pretty bad headaches. And this day was no exception. So I cleared my schedule and took the day off so I could bake loaves of bread and sit by the fire and rest. And I didn't beat myself up about it. I didn't make it mean that I was too emotional or that I was being dramatic. Because for me, the pain was real. The emotions that I experienced were real. And others may have thought that it was wrong for feeling so much over a chicken but I decided on purpose that my feelings were valid and I did what I needed to do to care for myself. Now, I recognize that my pet chicken dying is not quite the same as hormonally influenced emotional ups and downs, but the connection that I want to make here is that despite what anybody else says, even if your strong emotions are being dismissed as quote-unquote being hormonal, they are real they are valid. If you are upset about something that's happening and you're having big feelings about it, 
What if you could honor that your hormonal shifts may be fueling the level of emotional reaction and also believe that your thoughts and feelings about the situation are real and valid, even if there is no other reason other than you are simply experiencing them and that is reason enough. And the same goes for medication side effects, which are common. If you need to take a medication for your health and your body and you are experiencing depression or irritation or mood swings because of it, yes, it's the medication. And also your concerns and thoughts and feelings are valid. Now, I want to talk a little bit for those of us who are maybe not as well-versed with processing emotions. I've done really deep work on processing emotions over the last two, three years, and I've got some pretty good tools in my tool belt. So I was able to come to this situation that was really sad for me and just kind of ride the waves and allow things. But I know that that's not a skill that necessarily comes naturally to most people. So what I've done is I've created a couple of tools. It's both for processing emotions, negative or positive when they come up. But most of my clients and patients like to use this tool when they're processing particularly negative emotions like grief or irritation or sadness or anger. And there are two forms that I've done this in. One is a PDF with a writing exercise, and it's really just answering a bunch of questions about what you're feeling And the other one is just a little guided visualization. It's an audio file. It's less than five minutes. You can download it, put it on your phone. So if at any time a very strong emotion or negative emotion or really any emotion at all that you just want to process and allow, you can listen to this little recording or you can download the worksheet and use it as a journal prompt or write right on the worksheet. And both of those things are available to you in the Body Image Confidence Starter Kit. And so that's all free. You can get access to that. If you've already signed up, you can just head in there now and download it. But for those of you who have not gotten access to it before, you can go to michellecapler.com forward slash starter. And I will go ahead and put that link in the show notes for you to grab that as well. So again, that's access to the Perimenopause Body Image Confidence Star Pack. And in there, there is a little section on allowing feelings. And you can get access to that right away for free and start using it immediately. So you're going to go to the show notes and click on the link or go to michellecapler.com forward slash starter. So head there, grab that free worksheet. And then I want you to come and find me over on Instagram and let me know how you're doing. I'm at Michelle Kapler. That's it for me this week. I'll see you next time. If you are loving what you're learning in the podcast and you want to take this work to a deeper level, let's work together. If you are a resident of Ontario, Canada, we can work together in a clinical setting, both virtually or in person. Or if you want help learning more about your body and supercharging your body confidence and body image during the perimenopausal transition, I can help you anywhere in the world through coaching. To learn more about your options for working with me, head to michellecapler.com and click on work with me on the overhead menu. I can't wait to talk with you.